Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Association Leadership Radio. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Association Leadership Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today on the show, we have Matt Riley with ICS, International Conference Services. Welcome, Matt. Hi, Lee. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn what you're up to. Tell us a little bit about ICS. How are you serving folks? Sure. So ICS is uh, both a professional conference organizer and an association management company. Uh, We've been in business for over 30 years. And we've got clients all over the globe, so uh, just kind of helping with running their conferences, running their associations, uh, strategy, and everything in between. So what? how did this come about? I, I've been talking to several folks that are in that same space. Does it typically happen with um, they start running one association or they're working with one and it just kind of organically expands from there? Like, what was your history? Yeah, correct. We were a PCO first and really kind of uh, became known for that. And then over time, started to have uh, clients who were, you know, looking for association management help. And that was when our association management department was started. Uh, my team started to build up. So, and now we have uh, about 15 clients. So now, uh, when you're building up, uh, you're the director of associations. Can you talk about what a day in the life is for you? Sure. So uh, I, I lead a team of about 12 people. Um, they're all executive directors of different associations. Um, our focus is international. We work with a lot of medical and scientific societies. So my day consists of uh, helping clients just kind of navigate the waters of association management, a lot of uh, sort of mentoring with the team and, uh, you know, providing resources and, and ideas and that sort of thing for all the different challenges that our clients are facing right now. And an association kind of leans on uh, a an association management company like yours because uh, a lot of times they're volunteer organizations and maybe their vision is is bigger than the kind of the team that they have around with around them so they have to like hire a professional to help them kind of expand and grow and serve their members yeah correct most of our clients actually don't have their own staff so they're uh, doctors or scientists or uh, you know captioners or some some uh, you know they're focused on their profession so they're the subject matter experts um, you know they kind of have a handle on on content and on the you know whatever that industry is but they're really looking for association management knowledge and best practices and uh, you know sort of the business side of running the organization and I would imagine when you put a professional group like yours in place you can really accelerate their growth because you're kind of getting the the best practices from all the other folks that you're serving and you can really institute some efficiencies quickly. Absolutely. And it's become especially important in the last few years, the pandemic really um, sort of shined a light on a lot of practices. And if, you know, if you weren't looking to the future, if you weren't thinking about revenue diversification, if you were relying on one big conference for uh, basically all of your business operations, then those uh, were the associations that really kind of had their eyes open in terms of needing to diversify a little more, needing to look at some other options. And that's something that's really a strength for us. Now, are there certain challenges that are facing international associations that maybe aren't as um, kind of prevalent for ones that are just kind of in uh, America? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, domestic conferences starting to come back. But I would say, I think it's safe to say they are back for the most part. 
Um, but international, there's still a lot of, uh, there's still barriers to travel. There's still political instability. There's still a lot of economic, you know, volatility in the world. So uh, a lot of our international conferences are not still moving forward. And we're, we're just still seeing a lot of barriers uh, to our, our international associations uh, still kind of lingering. Now, are you, uh, are, do you, can you share some, maybe some solutions or some uh, opportunities that you see in that space? Sure, absolutely. I mean, I think one big opportunity right now is this is really an opportunity for innovation. So like I was saying, if, um, you know, maybe it, the association was kind of in a we've always done it that way mode, that's sort of my my least favorite uh, phrase in the association space. I, I really think there's a lot of permission right now to experiment and to innovate. So um, just because maybe maybe that you thought the conference was your main driver of, of member value, and, and it may well be, um, like I say, we've really kind of, uh, you know, been made aware now in a painful way of the need to have other other pegs to hang your hat on, you know, other sources of revenue and other drivers of member value for the association. So if you're not already looking at publications or, you know, digital content or, you know, some, it, it all depends on the industry and, and the member and what their challenges are and what their needs are. Um, but we really kind of have to get a little more uh, diligent and a little more creative in looking at how can we how can we serve members in a different way from the we've always done it that way mindset. Yeah, I guess the pandemic really forced that, right? So you have a period where a lot of organizations were saying, hey, it's our big event and that's why we're here for the big gala or the big event conference. And then when the pandemic shut that down, now you're like, well, why are people still members? You know, if, if our whole right. reason of being and, was and- this big event. There's not, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like I say, we're a conference company, so we, you know, we we live and breathe it. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it's kind of thinking bigger than that. You know, yes, you know, you need a world class event, but it's kind of like what else? You know, what have you done for me lately? Is sort of the member uh, the member opinion. So if you're only engaging one time a year, no matter how good that conference is, um, you're going to struggle to kind of uh, you know keep keep front of mind with your audience. Right. It's like you said, diversify your portfolio a little bit. Don't put all your eggs in that one basket. Let's see what else we can do and see, uh, be creative. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, when you're working with uh, an association and you're having this, this is a tough conversation, I would imagine, for some folks, because like you said, that inertia of the status quo is a tough one to to really um, move off of. But I guess the pandemic helped that in, in that it just kind of forced their hand. They had to do this. They had to make some moves. Yeah, it forced a lot of conversations among leaders. And then, like I say, I think it also gave us a lot of permission with with members, with conference attendees, with, you know, whoever, uh, you know, needs to sort of, um, uh, you know, uh, approve some sort of change or or give a little bit of a little bit of patience or a little bit of permission. I think we've really got that right now because, um, you know, it's, it, we're, we're hopefully emerging from a time of disruption but the, the upside of that is you really get, you know, a chance to kind of create something new. And I think a lot of people, especially if they maybe haven't been super engaged or they haven't been um, really sort of wowed by the experience that they're getting out of their membership, they really are more willing than a lot of people think to, um, you know, to give you time and space to experiment. And, you know, maybe you try some things and it doesn't work. Um, that's not the end of the world. Like, you know, people I think are not as critical as maybe they would have been before. Now, are you seeing uh, younger folks being drawn to associations uh, or is that something that uh, associations need work to attract younger people to not only join, but also to take uh, have a path to leadership? 
Well, it's certainly a big focus. I mean, I don't, we, you know, we do a lot of strategic planning with our clients and I don't think I've had a strategic planning session in the last three years that didn't come out with some kind of goal focusing around engaging uh, younger members and, and the next generation of leadership um, and also uh, looking at diversity as well and broadening broadening the membership in that way. So it's a really key area of focus. Uh, I would say I'm seeing different levels of success, um, you know, and it really depends how much are you really willing to put your money where your mouth is as an organization and really invest in in driving real change that's going to, you know, going to attract uh, both younger and more diverse numbers and leaders. Is there any advice you can give in that area? Because that is an area of concern for a lot of folks uh, struggling with the same issues. Well, I mean, I, I think my advice would be it has to be more than uh, lip service. You know, a lot of organizations are coming out with a diversity statement or, you know, maybe they're creating a, a young member committee or, or something along those lines. And that's great. Um, it's definitely a starting point. But I think um, it has to be more substantial. You know, those uh, those efforts have to have some kind of real uh, you know impact on the organization. It has to be visible. Um, one, one thing that we say a lot of diversity is that if I'm coming into the organization and there's no one who looks like me in leadership, then that's a big red flag. And it kind of sends a message that uh, either I'm not really fully welcome or if I am, I'm, I'm not, I don't really have a seat at the table in terms of uh, decision making or how the organization is, is run. So I think it's, it's not just sort of um, creating something to check a box. It's really sort of creating change in a way that um, we're bringing new, new voices in and we're making sure that the leadership uh, looks and feels like the community that we're trying to create, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, it, it, you go to some of the websites of some of these associations and then you check out the leadership and it doesn't always reflect the the membership. Yeah, so the organizations that are seeing success are not the ones that sort of create a committee for uh, for young members and put it off in a corner and and you know kind of uh, do that. It's it's the ones that they create a board position for a young member that's you know sort of uh, reserved for that purpose, so that that uh, voice is in the meetings and the thing that. Uh, nobody else sees because a lot of these organizations, you know, you have to be around for 50 years to get into one of those leader leadership positions. Um, but, you know, getting somebody in the room or on the Zoom call these days, uh, you know, who who understands what the next generation is looking for. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You know, that changes the thinking and that that leads to different decision making. Right. So then they have kind of that seat at the table and they have a voice in these kind of conversations when people are making de- decisions, especially budgetary decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of addresses both the symbolic and the substantive at the same time. And that probably gives you um, a, a quicker means to be successfully uh, making that happen and, and moving the needle if that's really, truly important. You're, you are kind of walking the walk at that point. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. So what's next for you? How does uh, the rest of this year look and, and in the coming year? Well, uh, like I said, I mean, we're really trying to uh, get uh, sort of international events back off the ground. I hope we'll be more and more able to do that. Um, I just uh, I was supposed to have a conference in Taiwan this year. Uh, they still have a three-day quarantine, the last that I looked, which is really um, kind of anathema for, for a conference. So, we're, you know, we're still trying to move forward uh, with that in the best way that we can. Um, we're trying to choose destinations that are resilient and, and hedge against um all of the the sort of risks that we're seeing out there. And then at the same time, like I say, push forward with a lot of the new experiments that we're trying out, whether it's um, restructuring membership categories. This is a good time to be doing that if you if your membership categories haven't changed in uh, in 50 years. 
the industry probably has. So, look, you know, looking at uh, that kind of restructuring, revisiting dues, um, a lot of dues were, were sort of stagnant. And if you're not increasing, in, you know, to keep pace with inflation, then you're not really taking care of your, your business in that sense. So um, just trying to keep uh, keep our head on a swivel and, and look out for all of the opportunities that this time provides. And at the same time, all of the ways that we can uh, protect ourselves from, you know, sort of ongoing uh, uncertainty that's out there. Can you share an example of maybe one of the associations you work with? You don't have to name the name, but maybe explain what the challenge that they were having before they got, they started working with ICS and then you coming in and helping them solve it and maybe getting to a new level. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, we have one association in particular. Um, it, it's the international association for for that uh, for that scientific field. Um, and there's a lot of strong uh, national and regional associations uh, for the field as well, because it's a it's an important uh, medical field. So, um, you know, with all of these challenges, with uh, the sort of uh, added complexity of operating internationally, I think they had a, they a little bit fell into a rut of uh, more trying to compete with the regional uh, societies, going to the regions that uh, had a lot of members that had a lot of money. And, you know, sort of trying to, to uh, rest their laurels on that because it was the, it was the low-hanging fruit. Uh, and it worked to some extent, but it created competition with the regional associations. And it was sort of, uh, it was splitting the pie uh, too many different ways. And they, you know, they would have very good years when they were in those regions. And then they would have bad years when they tried to do anything else. And they sort of took that as, let's stop trying to, to be global and let's kind of try to be what, what already exists in these regional associations. So... Uh, we did a strategic planning. We, we uh, you know, did surveys. We did targeted conversations with a lot of the different leaders. And that was the conclusion we came to was, it, you know, we've sort of fallen into this strategy, not really meaning to, where we're, we're not truly, um, we're not truly a global association and we're not, um, we're not taking advantage of that, that unique selling principle that we should have as an organization. And we're, we're sort of trying to play somebody else's game. Uh, and what we did was we started to uh, really look at how are we choosing where we engage in the world? Um, how are we selecting destinations for the conference? How are we choosing partners to work with, um, other associations to partner with, even sort of uh, how are we finding influential members who can help us in uh, different regions? So, for instance, South America uh, was very underserved. So uh, we basically just kind of across the board started to change how we thought about the identity of the organization. And now they've had some very successful uh, conferences in some uh, less traditional regions. And they're really sort of, um, I guess, just embracing a new identity and really thriving with that. And that's something that uh, I, I really talk a lot about strategy and the importance of doing strategic planning. A lot of the, the smaller organizations uh, that we work with, they don't necessarily think that they have the resources or they don't know where to go to find that. And that's something that we bring to the table that I think is really, really helpful. Yeah, you have to invest in that because if you don't know what you're aiming at, how do you know you're never going to get there? You know, it, it just it yeah, makes sense. What tends to happen is, is sort of management by crisis in that case. You know, you, you're very reactive and whatever, whatever happens to you, you sort of try to react to it. But that's I think we all know that's not the way to get ahead of the, you know, ahead of the curve. If you really want to be leading in our industry, then you need to be looking ahead and you need to be. Um, preparing at least, you know, three or five or 10 years out and really kind of uh, looking where your industry is going and, and trying to be the the resources that, that, you know, is where your members uh, want to go, that you're helping them kind of create 
create the industry of tomorrow or the or the scientific field of tomorrow. Right, which is usually at the heart of the mission of most associations. <laughs> Yeah, ironically, yeah, it kind of, it's kind of the opposite of that. We've always done it that way. That right, like, exactly. Clear, you know? They're supposed to be leading and being the role models for the industry, not the laggards. Right. So uh, what do you need more of? How can we help? Are you looking for more associations to serve? Do you need more talent? Uh, what do you need? I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think there are so many associations that could use help. So I think just having people know um, that they're, you know, that uh, association management companies are out there and that it's, um, uh, you know, it's an alternative to, you know, maybe if you don't, you know, see having the resources for a full-time staff, I think that's a great thing for, uh, for people to know. Um, and we're always looking to partner. So anybody who's interested in what we do, I'm always open to a conversation. Um, you know, travel industry right now, hospitality industry, I know has... Uh, really just had so much turmoil and they're trying to staff back up and they're trying to find good talent. So um, we're really looking out for our, our hotel and our destination partners and everybody in that world. We're, we're trying to, to support however we can, but uh, really any industry, you know, we work with technology quite a bit. Um, association management software is really important to what we do. So there's, there's a whole, a whole bunch of different worlds. And as they say, there's an association for everything. So uh, we do a lot of medical and scientific, but we really are sort of concertedly looking for other, other organizations to work with as well. So that I think the sky's the limit for associations. I really do. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of opportunity, especially coming out of the pandemic. The need is so great at this point. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, if somebody wants to learn more about ICS or maybe get on your calendar, what is the website best way to get a hold of you or somebody on your team? Yeah, our website is icsevents.com. Check us out. Um, we've, we've got a great website with a lot of information. And um, my email address is mriley, R-I-L-E-Y. That's M as in Matt, R-I-L-E-Y, at icsevents.com. So I'd love to hear from uh, any of your listeners who are interested in working together. All right, Matt. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Thanks a lot, Lee. I really appreciate it. All right. This is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Association Leadership Radio.